You're listening to Little Green Cheese, episode 102. Well, welcome back, Herd Nerds. I'm Gavin Webber, and this podcast is where you can learn about cheesemaking at home. It's been a very interesting week. I recently released a video, uh, a cheesemaking video tutorial called Yesterday's Cheese. So that's yesterday spelled Y-E-S-T-E-R-D-A-Z-E, Yesterday's Um, And the cheese was uh, quite remarkable in that you can eat it the very next day and it actually tastes like cheese, like proper, well, I wouldn't say cheddar, but it's an Italian-style table cheese, I think. Now, the recipe author is Tracy Johnson and she runs a little business out of Prince George in British Columbia, Canada, And Tracy has been on the show before, and we had an interview with her last year. So that was in episode 92, where we interviewed Tracy. So you can go back and have a listen or a watch of that episode. Now, Tracy was uh, not faced with a conundrum, I suppose. People uh, on the Learn to Make Cheese Facebook group, which... Tracy owns and runs with the assistance of a few other admins and she had been asked all the time what's one of the first cheeses that I should make and so she decided to make her own recipe which was absolutely fantastic so the recipe yesterday's cheese has this little blurb up the front uh, and you can get a copy of the recipe in Tracy's book called Cheese Please, which is available on Amazon. Uh, There are, I think there's a paperback version available. And, or you can get it from her shop, cheeseneeds.com. Now, the blurb in the recipe says, I am often asked which cheese I should start with. What is beginner friendly and reliable? I started thinking about the farmer's cheeses made in the small crofts of Scotland. Out of necessity, they had to be low maintenance and ready to eat or trade fast. I have been experimenting with this recipe and here it is, a cheese you do not have to do a lot of babysitting with and can eat on day two and actually taste like cheese. So yesterday's cheese is similar to uh, Guido's hard Italian cheese if you haven't seen that I've got a video on the main channel Uh, I think I've called it easy Italian cheese Uh, but this one's a little bit different where Guido needs about three weeks to four weeks aging this one does not and the recipe where I modified it uh, you can go and check out the ingredients Uh, I use five liters of milk instead of the four that Tracy did but all the other ingredients were exactly the same and I found that the process was so easy it was like the ultimate beginner's cheese so I can't praise this cheese enough 
The taste was spectacular. It was mild, but you would expect that with a a, a simple day-old cheese. Uh, it can be aged out to a week or so. I probably wouldn't age it too much more than that because it does contain lipase, and lipase has a tendency of making cheese uh, spicy, as the Italians call it, or picante. Um, and it does add a little bit too much of that sicky... What's it? it smells like baby sick. If you've ever had a baby throw up on your shirt or your blouse, then you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Anyway, there is a fair bit of lipase in this for the amount of milk that you use. So if you do age it out past a week or so, that lipase is really going to kick in and start breaking the fats down into uh, shorter chain fatty acids and it will start to smell a fair bit like a very well-aged parmesan but without the flavour. So a bit on the nose and, and on the flavour. However, when I tried it at, it was three, four days, three to four days old, it was absolutely spot on. In fact, so much so when I gave Kim, my lovely wife, a piece, she said that this is a Kim cheese, not kimchi, but Kim cheese, which means that she would eat the whole block if I let her. Um, but that aside, the whole family really enjoyed uh, yesterday's cheese. So if you haven't checked out that video tutorial yet, pop on over to Gavin Webber, the YouTube channel, and you can go and check out yesterday's cheese. So as far as the yesterday's cheese goes, uh, here's a, a, a picture, and you'll see that uh, when you go to the video. I know it's uh, not visible on the audio-only podcast, but it's a lovely-looking cheese. Uh, yellow in colour. I didn't add any anato to it whatsoever. Uh, the colour of the cheese is just strictly from the milk uh, so I used cow's milk that had been pasture fed and the color really shines through so it's a nice yellow uh, colored cheese and it was delightful to snack on so a really good table cheese that you can just use in sandwiches it melts uh, and yeah it makes a pretty good toasty apparel as well uh, Tracy also reports that you can add things into it. So a bit like, um, say, a queso fresco, where I've added in the past chilies, I've added in uh, mixed fruit and made a Christmas version of that sort of cheese. You could do the same thing with this. Uh, herbs, all sorts of spices, rubs on the outside. Remembering you don't have to worry too much about mould growth on the outside of the cheese because the... Uh, cheese doesn't age you know like I said uh, I tried it at four days and it was absolutely perfect apparently at two days it's it's rather mild um, but the lipase starts to kick in after day two and you get a little bit more flavor but yeah nice cheese great cheese for beginners and good cheese for people who want to experiment with um you know something quick and dirty well it's not dirty but something quick like this cheese is so absolutely perfect for anybody who wants to experiment with additives uh into their cheese i will also put a link in the uh show notes uh for uh, yesterday's cheese mm -hmm. 
So no news today. Uh, I looked and scoured for anything that was relevant to home cheesemakers and there really wasn't. There have been a few stories around the net at the moment uh, regarding a vegan cheese made out of yellow peas, uh, but I haven't really delved into that too much um, because I'm not a, a big fan of vegan cheeses. Um, I'd rather stick with the traditional dairy, seeing that's what uh, I've made in the past. So there is a new, uh, well, I suppose it's a breakthrough where they're starting to use yellow peas or split peas and making some sort of vegan cheese out of it that actually tastes like cheese. I prefer the real thing because it does taste like cheese because it is cheese. Anyway, I won't go much further than that. Anyway, so we do have some questions today. So let's have a listen to the first one. And it is... Hello, Gavin. I've been making some Wensleydale-type cheese. Um, I made it yesterday, pressed it overnight, but this morning it still looks very wet. Do you think I should put it back in the mould and let it drain for another day? Uh, that was Pat from around Wensleydale, by the sounds of it. Thanks, Pat, for your question. Yes, if the uh, cheese is wet and not air-drying properly, I don't think you might have uh, pressed the cheese enough. Now, however, Wensleydale... The recipe that I use, uh, which is available in the channel, and I'll put a link to that in the description as well, or the show notes, it is a very dry cheese. Uh, so I'm not sure what you've done there. It seems like it might have retained quite a bit of whey during the process. So uh, I would definitely press it probably a little bit harder and then leave it overnight and then air dry it uh, and before you start air drying pat it down with paper towel uh, and once it's touch dry then you know you can wax or vacuum pack the cheese for maturation so i hope that helps pat and uh, you get a decent wensleydale cheese i'd hate for that cheese to go to to not work out because it takes a long time to make a wensleydale cheese Okay, the next question is from... Gavin, it's Peter Whiteley. I follow your YouTube channel. I'm trying to make some uh, cream cheese and running into problems. Last night I started the, so the first batch I made. I didn't put any calcium chloride in, so I started another batch last night and I put in the calcium chloride, uh, but I forgot and I might have used uh, chlorinated water, so that may have been a problem. So anyway, it didn't solidify overnight. So this morning I put some more in it, in it with non-chlorinated water. And I also, uh, when I went to heat it up, I called for 22 degrees and I turned it off about 22. By the time I got it off the water, I checked the temperature. It was up to about 31 for sure. It may have gone higher. But anyway, I want to know if you can help so I don't waste a third batch. Thank you very much. Well, thanks, Peter. Um, it may be, it's a long time since that message was recorded. So I dare say uh, that batch probably didn't work out as well. So a few things may be the issue here. Yeah, sure, the temperature may have, uh, may have contributed to something, but it certainly would not affect the rennet set. 
and uh, if you're using decent milk then the lack of calcium chloride probably wouldn't have mattered too much either especially when making cream cheese what i do think is the issue is the milk so you didn't specify what type of milk it was or anything like that if you were using raw milk you would have got a set no problems at all if you were using pasteurized homogenized milk i don't think you would have had an issue either uh, because once you've added the starter cultures to the milk they're going to start creating lactose anyway and you'll get a a, a sort of a, a curd set overnight for sure now because it didn't set anything either with the rennet or the or the the bacteria that you added in lends me to think that the milk was the issue if the milk was ultra pasteurized or if the milk was uht milk then both of those have been heat treated so much that the proteins in the milk have been denatured and they will not set a curd so the casein matrix that the rennet relies on or the casein protein uh, is non-existent and it will not set a curd uh, and if it does set anything like a curd uh, it will be the sloppiest it'll be like soup like a milk soup if that makes sense but lumpy uh, and you would not be able to do anything with it so when you're making cheese at home absolutely and doesn't matter if it costs a little bit more money make sure that the milk has not been ultra pasteurized or uh, is ultra heat treated milk both of those milks will not set a curd and it doesn't matter what you do to it uh, you will not get a good result either way so that's why i prefer to pay a little bit more money for pasteurized and unhomogenized milk so milk that has not gone through the past the homogenization process it has been pasteurized and it has been pasteurized using the uh, high temperature uh, short time or h htst version uh, which is standard practice for most uh, dairy producers these days and that means that the milk has been heated to 72 degrees celsius for a period of 15 seconds and that's rapidly cooled down to uh, four degrees celsius and you don't have any issues whatsoever now um, i do prefer milk that has been um, thermalized or it's called batch pasteurization which is at 63 degrees celsius for 30 minutes and then it's cooled down uh, you don't lose as many of the lactic bacteria as you would with normal pasteurization and uh, the milk has a lot more flavor and so does the resultant cheese however with cream cheese it really doesn't matter um, pasteurized unhomogenized or even at a pinch pasteurized and homogenized milk will set a curd properly and you'll get a delicious cream cheese out of that as well so hopefully that has uh, helped you on your way to making a much better uh, cream cheese that will actually set a curd. So uh, thanks for your question. So the next question is from... Hi Gavin, my name is Sandy and I live in Bags, Oklahoma and I would like to make a cheese incorporating some mangoes and also candied ginger kind of like a dessert cheese can you help me with a recipe 
I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you. Well, thanks, Sandy. Appreciate it. In fact, the very cheese that I was talking about at the start of the show, the yesterday's cheese, would be absolutely perfect to add dried mango to and uh, uh, other sorts of fruit. So, you know, like um, a fruit mix for, say, Christmas cakes or something like that. Uh, it would, because it only ages for a day and you eat it the next day, the sugars are not going to ferment in the cheese. Um, I would mix that fruit uh, into the curds before I pressed it. Um, however, make sure that the dried fruits have been... There's a couple of ways to do it. So you can boil them uh, for five minutes or simmer, simmer, boil and then simmer the fruit for five minutes so they'll plump up a little bit and absorb some of the water. However, that will kill any of the yeasts or bacteria that may be lurking on the outside of those fruits. Uh, not too much of an issue with a very short aged cheese, but I would still do it because you really don't know what you're introducing into the cheese, which is a fantastic medium for growing molds, as we, we all know. Uh, another way to do it would be to take the dried fruits and lay them on a baking tray and put them in the oven, the normal kitchen oven, uh, at between 100 and 120 degrees Celsius. So that's about 212 degrees Fahrenheit, which is boiling point. Um, but yeah, you should be at most kitchen ovens, you can get fairly low uh, temperatures. So leave them on the baking tray for between 10 and 15 minutes uh, at that very low temperature, and that'll kill off any yeast and bacteria as well. And then you can mix them, let them cool, um, and then you can mix them into your curds just before pressing. So go and check out the yesterday's cheese uh, that is on the main channel. And as I said, I'm going to put it, the link to that video in the show notes and uh, in the video description. So thanks, Sandy, for your question. Uh, next question is from Thomas. Hey, Gavin. I wonder if we could send you pictures of our cheeses that have um, not come out exactly the way we thought they would. And if you could maybe have a look at them and try and determine what we may have done wrong in our process. Uh, thanks for your question, Thomas. Yes, I have the perfect forum for that. If you send through any pictures of your cheeses, you can do that. There is a link to my email address over on the main channel uh, or the podcast channel on YouTube. Uh, it is available on the About tab and you just go through to where it says Details for Business Inquiries and you can click there. Uh, and what I do is I take those photos and the emails and I read them out every week on Ask the Cheese Man, which is a show on the main channel. Uh, and that show has many, many lively participants in the chat asking questions about home cheese making. And every single Sunday morning at 8am, pending sickness, <laughs> of course, which rarely happens, um, I'm there with the Kurdner community and we have a great time. So send in your uh, photos and descriptions of good cheeses or cheeses that haven't worked out very well. Like I said, go to the About tab of the main channel, Gavin Webber, and you will find the email address there. And you can send through your photos and any descriptions uh, for commentary. 
also you can if you just have a a voice question uh, just like the ones that you've seen on the podcast today or listen to on the podcast today then you can send them through to my SpeakPipe address uh, where it has a voicemail facility and the link to that is down in the show notes and the description below as well so i'd love any voicemail questions that you have uh, and you can send them through as well and uh, yeah we can answer them on the next little green cheese podcast episode absolutely fantastic so that's all i was going to talk about today the uh, great uh, cheese yesterday's cheese that tracy johnson uh, made the recipe for and uh, that i subsequently did a video tutorial on with her blessing and uh, yeah it was really good <laughs> i've been making a lot of cheese lately and uh, a lot of the lactic set cheeses like charus uh, and i did a um, a sour misithra which is a greek cheese as well and robiola was another one so three lactic set cheeses in the row uh, and it was a it was a uh, not a blessing it was uh, good to switch up the cheese making process by making the yesterday's cheese it was very nice i did enjoy it uh, it was a lot different than lactic set cheeses where you have to uh, add just a tiny bit of rennet to the milk and the starter cultures and leave it overnight or even two days before you get a curd set so it was a bit of a godsend to make the yesterday's cheese where it was ready and you could do it all in one day and then eat it the next day so yeah absolutely good fun thank you so much tracy so don't forget to go and check her out in little green cheese podcast episode 92 uh, where you can see tracy in the flesh and me interviewing her about not only the business side of cheeseneeds.com which is her business where she supplies home cheese makers with stuff just like we do here at little green workshops but how she started on her cheese making business uh, so it's very interesting so go have a listen to episode 92 uh, and you'll get some insight into her world over there in british columbia canada thanks for listening curd nerds i appreciate you lending me your ears uh, during this podcast episode so if you want to check out some of my video uh, tutorials there's over 770 videos over on the gavin weber channel uh, or you can go to cheeseman.tv and that'll take you there redirect you to my youtube channel if you want to purchase any of my cheese making supplies you can do that over at littlegreenworkshops.com.au and we ship everywhere internationally also if you want to do a structured course you can do that you can do that over at the curd nerd academy or courses.littlegreenworkshops.com.au uh, if you have really enjoyed this episode then don't forget to leave a comment if you're watching on youtube or leave a review if you're listening on a podcast player and you can access itunes uh, any feedback would be absolutely appreciated well thanks for watching and listening curd nerds and i will see you next time